1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point on this Friday, February 23rd. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until... One o'clock today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. We'll take your phone calls today if you'd like to chime in around 1215. The number to do so, 602-260-1060, 602-260-1060. Let's reset the scene, though, with today's poll questions. And first up, if you missed the NFL conversation Bob had with Eric Edholm, uh, I suggest that you podcast it over at kdos1060.com and with the KDOS. 1060 app uh, we have NFL related poll questions today the kdus 1060.com question should the Bears trade Justin Fields and select Caleb Williams with the first selection of the NFL draft yes predominantly out in front here this show 64% of the vote no trailing at 36% it's a question that we officially answer today around 1230 Tossing this on over to X at KDUS AM 1060. Should the Patriots move on from Mac Jones and take a quarterback with the third selection of the first round? Yes, continues its lead at 87.5%. No trailing at 12.5% of the vote. And if you are on the no side of things, what is your rationale? Tweet at us, or I sh- what, do, what do you even say now? Because you, it's like you tweet. That's like the action. Uh, I don't think you can say like, x at us like that that doesn't work so i think it's still tweet at us uh your your reaction to uh this particular poll question and it's another one that we'll answer today around 12 30. all right so on the hardwood it was a late night didn't get started until after 9 p.m but it was number 21 wsu going into the McHale center and beating number four u of a 77 74. how about some wild ending if you will Caleb loves and one finish put the Wildcats up three with about 51 seconds to go WSU then had their ensuing possession that they missed the three-pointer but Balo was unable to secure the rebound it got kicked out to Wells who Wells had a great game he led the way for the Cougars he knocked down the three he was fouled on the play turned into a four-point play they go on to win the game yeah, this was uh, the latest coach, uh, latest case, I should say, of Kyle Smith just completely out coaching Tommy Lloyd. This has now happened three times in two years, uh, and clearly, you know, Wazoo swept the series this year against the U of A, the regular season series. I hope they play in the Pac-12 tournament. That'll be fun if they get to play again. Uh, but uh, you know, Wazoo has completely outplayed the U of A twice this season. I know there was a one-point win and a two-point win when they played in uh, Pullman. But they clearly were the better team both times they played. And they beat them last year in Tucson also, in addition to that, uh, with a totally different team. The top four scores from that team that played against uh, the U of A in Tucson last year, uh, they all left. They're all gone. And he brought in a whole new cast of characters. 
Uh, you know, obviously they a couple guys were redshirting for a variety of reasons and are playing this year too that have been big contributors. But you know, this is a completely you know, you, the U of A's got a you know, top ten teams or whatever they were in the preseason poll. Uh, and uh, you know, Washington State was picked to finish tenth in the conference uh, before the season started. And uh, now they've handed the U of A two losses. Tommy Lloyd, uh, they hadn't lost a game at home this year. They hadn't lost a game at home since they lost to Washington State. Oh, actually, they lost to ASU last year too, right? Uh, so Tommy Lloyd is now, uh, he's lost four home games in three years as the head coach at the U of A, and two of them have been to Kyle Smith. And the matchup zone defense, which actually turns into a man-to-man during the possession, has completely confused the U of A for three straight meetings. I mean, you got to figure this out at some point, don't you? Uh, three straight times they've just they've done you have different guys. It's just the actual scheme of the defense, and the U of A is not. They have no. They have no clue how to attack this, and uh, they get in the half court, which we mentioned yesterday would be a big part of this game. The tempo, it was clearly a Washington State tempo, and they beat them again, and they deserved to win, and they were the better team. Yeah, I was going to say, you had mentioned it that, uh, you know, WSU is going to want to slow the pace down and the U of A, if they get sucked into that playing their style of game it could be a long night for them Caleb Love tried to do what he could to keep the Wildcats in it with 27 points and five assists but this seems to be a bit of an issue that when it does get really stagnant here a team that's averaging over 90 points a game now suddenly only able to score 74 and this has been a theme throughout this particular season um, you know I don't know if they're going to be able to find a way to correct it this season is this more indicative of you know the type of players and and uh, that they're going to be able to find moving forward in the recruiting process? Or is this schematically something that Tommy Lloyd needs to do differently? He needs to do something differently. Um, it's not working. Here's another. Here's some numbers for you. Love my numbers. Sometimes you love my numbers and sometimes you don't. Uh, and usually I don't have numbers, but I got one here. The U of A is now 20-6 and six on this season. They're 3-6 and six this year when they've led at halftime. Oh. Led at halftime. That's not a good closing rate at all. That would be true. Um, okay, so first up, a couple of questions come to mind here. Watching this game, watching this contest, did anything change for you about WSU after you saw the end result? No, because I mentioned I, I made my mistake on them two weeks ago. Um, yeah, I was way behind. The, I watched them lose to Cal in overtime earlier this season and I just completely eliminated them from my brain but a couple of weeks ago it totally changed my mind on them I actually I didn't pick them to win the game last night but I had them plus 13 and a half points and never had to sweat that they're really good and uh, they're a team I've been sitting here for I'm going to do this for another three weeks after this after today too but for several days now, I've been talking about how I just don't know how many teams I trust to even win a game in the NCAA tournament from the lower seeds. Uh, they're a team that I want to actually now bet on, and this has been my case for them for two or three weeks now. I'm on them almost no, no matter who they play in the NCAA tournament and probably for more than one game. Uh, they're really good, and they're exceptionally well-coached. And uh, I can't stress this enough. It's not all Tommy Lloyd being outcoached, which has actually, without question, happened here. And, in fact, most of the games that Tommy Lloyd has lost at the U of A the last three, uh, three years he's been there were not very many of them. 
But you know, other than the Kelvin Sampson game when they just got punked off the floor, uh, I think you can make a case that he's been outcoached in almost every loss that they've had at the U of A. You mentioned betting. That plus 13 seems like a wild, wildly inappropriate number now after this game was close contest uh, and WSU goes out and wins outright. Um, you know, and, and I said that yesterday before. that I actually mentioned that the, the Ken Palm number earlier in the week, I had, saw it at 15, and I even mentioned then that that's absurd. Um, and you know, I'm hoping they play in the Pac-12 tournament again because the U of A is going to be a substantial favorite again on a neutral floor, and I'll take Washington State again if they play a third time. Uh, the other question I had for you is that you were pretty skeptical of U of A. I think that's a fair, fair word, fair assessment here. But then of late, and maybe this is also indicative of how some of the other teams in college basketball have been playing in all the bracketologies, they've ascended now to a number one seed in the West. Uh, has anything here changed your mind? Really kind of convincing that when teams can control the pace and slow it down, they just don't have an answer here. And that really is going to impact you in the NCAA tournament. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I would say for sure. I mean, I, I've never bought into the U of A at any point this year, quite frankly. Uh, now I think if we look back, you know, how big a deal was winning the games at Colorado and Utah? Uh, those teams aren't very good, right? I mean, this is a conference that sucks. And uh, Colorado is fifth in the conference at eight and seven. Utah is now seventh in the conference at seven and eight. And, uh, you know, some believe that those are NCAA tournament teams. Uh, there should only be two teams in the NCAA tournament from the Pac-12, and they played last night at Tucson. And uh, I've never – I'm not going to – I've said for a while, I don't think the U of A makes it to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, which means they would lose one of the first two games. Now, I doubt if they're going to lose the first game again, which, of course, they did lose to Princeton last year in the first round. But I would be actually at this point surprised if they won two games the first weekend and were playing in the Sweet 16. ASU, they were down 25 to the University of Washington. They came back to force overtime, but UW prevailed 84-82. Frankie Collins scored 19 of his 21 in the second half, including the layup with seven seconds remaining to force the overtime. But he ended up fouling out in overtime. Uh, you know, anything to take away from this game? No, nah, this was one of the worst basketball games ever played. I'm not joking. Uh, just look at the you – know, these two teams are not good, and they proved it last night. At one point, ASU allowed 22 consecutive points in the game, 22 in a row. Uh, they were trailing 49-24 to 24, uh, at that point. That showed you how bad ASU was. Then the next part of the game showed you how bad Washington is – they're not any good either. They blew the lead. They should have lost the game, but ASU could make a two-foot shot in the final possession on a tremendously designed play by Bobby Hurley in the timeout, by the way. Uh, he got exactly what he wanted, and they missed the two-foot shot. These are two really bad teams in a really bad conference, and it was unwatchable basketball last night. And as has been the case, unfortunately, for the majority of the season, ASU just can't shoot. Uh, yeah, they're 308th in the country in field goal percentage entering last night's game when they were shooting 42% for the season before last night. They shot even worse last night. Made 39% of their shots. They made 27 of 70 field goal attempts. 
and seemed to just have no clue for the majority of the game against the Washington 2-3 zone, which you know is going to happen because you know Hopkins brought the 2-3 zone with him from Syracuse, where Jim Beheim played it for 30 years. And Hopkins played for Bayheim at Syracuse. You know that that's going to be the primary defense. And, uh, you know, that's not just ASU. I'm, a, I'm kind of just mesmerized how opponents seem to be not prepared to be playing against a 2-3 zone. I know they've got some, you know, guys with length and so forth on the perimeter. And that's unusual. I'm sure they're tough for you know, guards that aren't used to shooting over guys that have length. But, you know, it's, it's just it's mesmerizing and just staggering to me how that continues to happen. So the Sun Devils get swept by the Huskies, and they they basically got outplayed, and uh, they got crushed in the first game. They gave up 49 points in the second half when they played in Seattle. And last night, you know, they were actually they were down 25 and would have been, I guess, uh, from what the broadcast said, the greatest comeback in ASU history. They did take a three-point lead in overtime, and then just some terrible free throw shooting, including, I believe, Collins missed four out of five down the stretch. And Perez missed at least a couple, including the front end of a one-one-one uh, one, one one situation. Uh, and then they had some just stupid basketball IQ plays, and they blew the game. Uh, ASU, they're hosting WSU tomorrow, 6 p.m. on ESPN2. And the U of A is hosting Washington tomorrow at noon over on CBS. There's some other college hoops games that we'll get into on the other side of the break. It'll kind of be a potpourri segment. Some of those college hoops games and a couple of Major League Baseball things that have caught my attention. So we'll do that in addition to your phone calls. If you'd like to chime in on anything that we've discussed today, 602-260-1060 is the number. Give us a call now and we'll talk to you on the other side of the break. 602-260-1060. Next up, we have more college hoops discussion as well as some major league baseball talk it is the extra point right here on kdos am 1060 as always follow along with us online at kdos 1060.com and with the kdos 1060 app Gottlieb Show, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060, 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to chime in. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today. Continuing some college hoops conversation with a look ahead to some games on Saturday. How about this contest? Number two, Houston at number 11, Baylor, 10 a.m. on CBS. Yeah, I'm not sure what I think of Baylor. I mean, they, they don't guard anybody for the most part, which is completely against what their DNA was when they were you know, winning a championship a couple of years ago. And really has been most of the time with uh, you know Scott Drew as the head coach there. Uh, but uh, you know, they, their defense has fallen off the map, including earlier this week. Yeah, BYU is a really good offensive team. But, I mean, that was either, you know, either whatever they wanted. Either an open three or a layup uh, in that game. And it was like 83-82 was the final score because Baylor can score. But it's uh, 
I guess just you know, I don't know. You can't bet the over in a Houston game necessarily, uh, but you know Houston plays as good a defense, if not the best defense in college basketball, and Baylor doesn't seem to really guard anybody, which is pretty perplexing to me. For Houston here, you know, we know what they're capable of doing and mucking things up and, and getting to also control the game in the way that they want to. They're great rebounders. Have they shown enough here offensively for you to say this is a more balanced team, this is a great team? Well, I don't know if anybody's a great team in college basketball this year. In fact, I don't think there is one. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I think there is a case to be made for three teams uh, that are clearly the elite teams, at least in the regular season in college basketball, UConn, you know, Purdue, and Houston, not necessarily in that order. Uh, but, you know, they've got three of the best – they're the best backcourt in, the, in college basketball for sure, uh, with Jamal Shedd, who should be a first-team All-American. If I don't, I don't have a vote on that anymore, I uh, used to. If I still had it, I would vote for him as a first-team. I haven't really gone through – Maybe I should uh, go through it five guys and figure that out before I actually say it publicly. But I would be shocked if I found somebody I would put him on. Uh, you know, they're, 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 I'd be shocked if there were five guys that I would put on an All-American team ahead of him. Uh, he's tremendous. Uh, L.J. Cryer, who actually used to play for Baylor. Uh, no, he played. Yeah, he played for Baylor. Uh, is another guy there, and Emmanuel Sharp. Those three guys are really good. Not just at the defensive end, they show uh, they have offensive uh, skills, and uh, you know when they miss shots, as you mentioned, uh, they have the best offensive rebounding, they're the best offensive rebounding team in college basketball, and they have an incredible high rate of getting. You know, they're the they're, they're the best loose ball team. I talk about 50-50 balls. That's another thing the U of A is awful at, by the way, including they lost the game last night because they couldn't get two loose balls, which they should have had. Both of them, and they they clearly just you know, that was the both key plays in the last minute of the game, loose balls that they should have got they didn't. Houston gets seemingly you're shocked when they don't get a loose ball, and it's not even necessarily you know, you know, because they have like three or four guys in the area. They have like one guy, and the opponent has like three, and they always get the ball anyway. It's amazing. Now, Vanderbilt at number 24, Florida. You had been talking about Florida yesterday here, and then they lost a close one uh, to Alabama on Wednesday, and it also included some weird uh, elbows being thrown and, and all sorts of stuff in that contest. Yeah, I don't worry. I find anything about Florida in this game. I mean, Vanderbilt's one of the, the – are, they're the worst team in the SEC, I think. I, I think they're last in the standing. I think they only had, like, one conference win until they beat Texas A&M somehow a couple weeks ago. They're really bad. Stackhouse, I assume, is going to be fired at the end of the year as the head coach, and uh, they're, they're, I will not even watch this game. Uh, then we have number eight, Duke against Wake Forest, 12 p.m. on ESPN. Yeah, the number one question about Duke is, are there all the guys playing? Uh, that's a daily question, and it's been you know, a daily question for three months. Uh, when they do have all their guys playing, they're really good. They have a very talented starting five. Uh, at one point, I know that uh, you know, they were like 10-1 and one when Jeremy Roach was playing, but you know, the fact that he only played that number of games uh, was because he missed some time. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, Wake Forest. Don't, they don't guard anybody either. Uh, there, there's a lot of teams in college basketball that can't defend this year, but they can shoot, but they have no depth. 
Uh, Duke doesn't have any depth either. Um, so I'll watch this game and just try to learn something, but I'm not exactly sure I'm going to. Uh, then we have number 10, UNC at Virginia. That's 2 p.m. on ESPN. Yeah, I know. Uh, Virginia, I assume, is probably a trendy upset pick, but, I mean, I can't trust their offense, which has just been atrocious in home game losses here lately. They've lost two home games in the last you know, 10 days or so. Uh, and then Carolina, uh, you know, there's speculation that they've had, you know, locker room issues. So maybe it wasn't a Kayla Love problem last year in North Carolina. Yeah, I think it was, but it wasn't just Kayla Love. And Kayla Love, I will say that, yeah, while he made some big shots last night for the U of A, he displayed some of the selfish tendencies that got him run out of North Carolina, basically. I mean, he made... Uh, a couple of non-plays last night. He had an easy pass that he could have gotten to Balo for an easy dunk down the stretch, and he didn't do that. Uh, you know, he, like I said, he made a couple of key plays, but uh, you know, it was you know, basically he was playing hero ball for the last minute and a half of a game that they lost. And the aforementioned Alabama team, number 13 Alabama at number 17 Kentucky here, 2 p.m. on CBS. Most interesting game of the day, just because pretty much every game Kentucky seems to play is now the most interesting game of the day, because who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> Are you going to get the team that actually played really good defense and beat Auburn, and Auburn had not lost a home game this season until last week. In fact, last Saturday, Auburn, I think they were like 13-0. and zero. They had lost a home game. They'd won every home game by double digits, and then Kentucky goes in there and shuts them down and wins the game with relative ease. But then Kentucky on Tuesday night, they lose at LSU. And, you know, I really hadn't watched any LSU until last Saturday when they played South Carolina and beat them at South Carolina. So um, I'm now I don't know what to think of LSU. In fact, now I'm trying to figure out whether I need to pay attention to LSU because I'm not even sure that they're not even – I don't even think they're a bubble team. Um, transitioning away from college hoops, unless there's something else that stands out to you this weekend, uh, to mention. I'm actually really disappointed in tomorrow's schedule, quite frankly. Uh, and, uh, you know, for a second consecutive Saturday, me and a couple of uh, friends of mine, were going to a, you know, a casino to bet on games. And I looked at the schedule this morning and I went, damn, not nearly as good as last Saturday. Um, this is coming in here from Dwayne Rankin. He is talking about the Suns injury report for tonight as the Suns are in Houston playing the Rockets. Bradley Beal with his left hamstring tightness and now Yusuf Nurkic, right ankle spring, listed as doubtful for tonight's game. So Bradley Beal didn't play last night. Uh, Nurkic is new popping up on the injury report. So that'll be something to monitor as the Suns play the Rockets tonight. On yeah, one other quick thing, if you miss, people missed it earlier, if the Suns lose tonight, they could fall to eighth in the conference tonight. On to some Major League Baseball here. The Pirates signed starting pitcher Mitch Keller to a five-year contract extension worth $77 million. Last season for Keller, it was 32 starts, 13-9, 4.21 ERA, 194 in a third innings pitch, 210 strikeouts, 55 walks, and 25 home runs for a team that I had just like read an article about how they don't spend money and all of this, right. and then here they go, and they sign a contract extension to Mitch Keller. But I guess the other thing that was in this article that I was reading as well is that they're more apt 
to sign contract extensions uh, with big money as opposed to bringing in big high-dollar free agents. That's true. Uh, I mean, the innings pitched and the starts, that's great. Uh, I've never, you know, I've, you know, I'm in fantasy baseball leagues. Never has it crossed my mind that I need to draft or, you know, in an auction league pay for Mitch Keller. In fact, when I saw this uh, note yesterday, I actually thought I read it wrong because uh, I couldn't believe they paid it that much. Great job by his agent. Good for him. Uh, and I'm baffled by this. I think the Pirates have a chance to be okay this year. Uh, they've got some good young players who need to stay healthy. That's been a big problem. Uh, position players need to stay healthy. Uh, but I was stunned when I saw the dollar figure on this so much so that I thought I read it wrong. Um, the Mets, their starting pitcher, Kadai Senga, he is set to start the season on the injured list with a moderate posterior capsule strain in his right shoulder. Uh, Senga was slated to be their number one pitcher this season, so that's not great news for the Mets. Well, yeah, two things. One, there's nobody else that is any good at their starting rotation, in my opinion. At least it can be considered a number one starter probably on any team. Uh, but Senga is uh, good. He's really good. In fact, he's a guy I was interested in. That's past tense now uh, in the fantasy world for this upcoming. I got a couple drafts upcoming here in the next month or so. And uh, I'm, I'm not going to be, I will not be interested in him at all unless I can use him as a, some kind of DL stash in a fantasy team. But, uh, you know, he's. He's good. I mean, obviously, he made the Diamondbacks look look really bad last year in a couple starts against them with the ghost fork ball, as they call it. Uh, but uh, this is unfortunate. And uh, you know, I probably say this every spring, but you know, we got two or three pitchers that haven't even got to pitching in games yet. Uh, I don't know what these guys did in the offseason to come back and be not ready to start the season. Um, the other thing that I saw that caught my attention Major League Baseball-wise is that uh, there hasn't been an expansion in Major League Baseball since the Diamondbacks and the Rays uh, joined in 1998. At the time, it was a $130 million <clears throat> expansion fee. Uh, and expansion really hasn't been uh, at the forefront. It's just kind of been floated out here and there, but nothing really concrete, at least according to some of the owners that I was reading about, uh, because also... Things have progressed in the way of what is Major League Baseball going to do with media rights deals, especially with Diamond Sports Group. Uh, they also have to figure out what the Tampa Bay Rays are going to do with their stadium situation. What's the A's going to do? Are they actually moving to Las Vegas? Plenty of stadium situations have to be figured out as well. The bargaining agreement is up in 2026, so there's a lot on the docket here for Major League Baseball. But Rob Manford, when he met the media, I believe this was last week, and announced that he's retiring in January of 2029 he mentioned that he would like to be able to announce expansion cities before he leaves so he's kind of set set the tone here that they would like to expand to 32 teams and that he would like to at least get the ball rolling before he's out of here two cities that have emerged Nashville and Salt Lake City amongst other potential candidates are Charlotte Portland San Jose Austin Vancouver Canada and Mexico City Ooh, Mexico City. That would be a really difficult adjustment for the players to go in and out of there you know, for a series. That would be rough. That would be, uh, you know, we talk about Colorado and how that's such a wear and tear. We talked about that with the Diamondbacks for years. 
before you go, you know, after you get out of Colorado for two or three days and run around that outfield, if you're, especially if you're an outfielder, obviously, you got nothing in the tank for like the next two or three days after you leave the altitude, let alone trying to adjust when you first get there. So, you know, Mexico City, that's altitudes out of sight there. Uh, so that would be, I would hate that if I were a baseball player. I think the biggest reason that there hasn't been an expansion since 1998, I guess it was, uh, as you mentioned, uh, is the fact that there just haven't been that many cities that seem to you know really fit fit with Major League Baseball. And a couple of the cities you just mentioned, including Mexico City, I think that that those are bad ideas for Major League Baseball. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to make sure that I mentioned here, the Diamondbacks announced yesterday that uh, their games this season will be produced and distributed by dbacks.tv for 2024 for $99.99. MLB is also offering dbacks TV through MLB.tv, their package for $199.99. For those with DirecTV and cable, all of that channel information is still to be confirmed according to Diamondbacks social media page so they're going back to the streaming option and then it looks like there could be some linear options still available but all of that was not officially announced as of yet however you can catch uh the first diamondback spring training game for free with dbacks.tv in uh tomorrow's slate of action in all there will be five spring training contests that you can watch for free march 5th march 14th march 17th and march 25th so it looks like once again uh Major League Baseball stepping in to do the production of Diamondbacks games after everything and the fallout with uh, Diamond Sports. I'm not exactly sure why this is breaking news. Wasn't this just assumed at the end of last year? Well, no. Yes, maybe. No. Uh, Derek Hall had uh, spoken to the media at some point in time and was talking about how they were looking into uh, maybe some local options. So something getting away from Major League Baseball doing the production. So uh, that, uh, that was that was never going to happen. You know, I mean, I, I'm you know, he's doing his job. He's doing exactly what he should do to try to sell the product. But that even after last year's World Series. Uh, I haven't talked to anybody that I talked to, just friends or whatever, locally that thought that was ever going to be a possibility. On the other side of the break, we get back into NFL conversation as uh, it is poll question time. The KDOS1060.com poll question as well as the uh, X poll question at KDOSAM1060. We answer the questions next. It is the Extra Point here on this Friday, February 23rd. Hey, Phoenix, Doug Gottlieb here. I'm bringing the best sports talk weekdays to you, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. right here on KDUS AM 1060. It's Friday. It's February 23rd. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock. 
on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Speaking of those two important locations, that's where you can podcast. You can podcast the shows. You can podcast Bob's interview with Eric Edholm of NFL Media. Going into uh, these couple of poll questions that we're going to answer here next. So let's get started with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Should the Bears trade Justin Fields and select Caleb Williams with the first selection of the NFL draft? The answer is uh, not one of the answers that's actually offered because I'm going to add a word here. Absolutely, yes, uh, they should trade Justin Fields uh, and select Caleb Williams. Uh, I'll break this down. And I'm going to cover the Fields part here. we got plenty of time to cover the Williams part in the next few months here. I guess it was, in what, eight weeks from yesterday, I think I heard, is the NFL draft, so get your calendars ready for that. Uh, but part one here... Justin Fields still has not learned how to protect himself from taking vicious hits. I mean, he gets clobbered. This has been going on since he was at Ohio State. His final two years at Ohio State, he had injuries. His first three years with the Bears, he's missed time because of injuries. And almost all of these could have been avoided had he had any idea how to protect himself, which he still has not learned. Also, part two of this, I'll get into Caleb Williams a little bit. Uh, Williams is significantly better right now coming out of USC than Fields was when he came out of Ohio State. That doesn't always mean that that's what they're going to end up as uh, NFL players, but right now, Williams is he, he's a far more advanced quarterback in his college days than Fields was at Ohio State. And Fields was good, but he's not as good as Caleb Williams, and Williams might be one of those generational quarterbacks. I've heard that term in the last couple of weeks. Also, next, uh, the next part is inarguable. Even I, the king of not understanding the salary cap, understand that uh, you know, the salary cap discussion here is inarguable, that you know, they, they can clear their cap for the most part. They're not going to you be know, you know, fields is up for a, a massive contract extension here in the next few months. Uh, and that would be a foolish move for the Bears. So this is, to me, a no-brainer question and answer. Uh, so, you know, there's there's no guarantees when it comes to the first overall selections, no guarantees for the number one overall quarterbacks, even if you talk about the trading up to select a quarterback. So it's kind of all all a bit of a mystery. But I think that you can say to yourself that Fields showed some promise and uh, at times in 2023, but injuries are still a factor. I think you can also say that uh, maybe he's seen he's seen enough time in Chicago and it's time for a new change of scenery for him. I know he's gone through a couple of different coordinators and things of that nature in his short time in the NFL, but also, I would have to think that Ryan Poles, he's going to want, uh, you know, his job is on the line, so he might see that they need to move in a different direction. Uh, they're giving Eberflus another chance here to be the head coach. They've designed him for another year. So 
Uh, is he going to strap his boots to Justin Fields, or is he going to want to come in with Caleb Williams? I do have a question here, and I think it is somewhat fair to ask about Caleb Williams and his game, that we see a lot of off-script plays from him, and I'm just curious how that's going to translate to the NFL. Everybody is a step faster in the NFL. Everybody kind of keys in on what you're trying to do. So I'm just curious to see how all of that is going to unfold, and there will be a learning curve for him but it's hard when you think that Caleb Williams is going to be a generational talent uh, to not select that when you have the number one overall pick so I, I think also what could help if you find yourself a trade partner here you're going to be getting some something in return for Justin Fields and that can also help bolster the team so I think uh, the answer here is yes for the Bears. Also, one other thing to factor in here, the Bears do not have a second-round pick in this year's draft. Uh, they you know, obviously relinquished that last year. Uh, but uh, you know, it, they're not going to get it unless somebody's just out of their mind. They're not going to get a first-round pick for him, but they certainly get that second-round pick back for this year that they currently don't have. Uh, yes, out in front is 69% of the vote. No sitting at 31%. That's kdos1060.com. Flipping it on over to the X poll question. Should the Patriots move on from Mac Jones and take a quarterback with the third selection of the first round? So I do have question marks here about Drake May. Is he the answer? Is it Jaden Daniels? Has he shown enough that he uh, is an NFL caliber quarterback? Can he withstand uh, the hits that he's going to be taking in the NFL? He certainly showed a lot in his last season with LSU here. So he certainly provided enough to be in the conversation here. In addition to that, it's very clear that there is not a starting quarterback on this Patriots roster, though. It's not Bailey Zappi. It's not Mac Jones. Um, the other thing that could be interesting and could throw a monkey wrench into this is if the Patriots are interested in trying to get a quarterback in free agency to kind of just stabilize things in this franchise with the entire new, uh, new group of people here taking over and making the decisions and then go after Marvin Harrison Jr. because wide receiver is a position that they also desperately need but on the flip side of that this wide receiver class is very deep in this draft so you could probably find yourself some key wide receivers elsewhere and take your quarterback of the future so that you're you're not having a stopgap at the position so I think the answer here is yes you you have to uh, look at quarterback and definitely be ready to move on from Mac Jones this is Jimmy Garoppolo return to New England deal uh, I don't think so. That was Bill's guy, right? It was. So was Mac Jones. Uh, in fact, I said before the draft for weeks that Mac Jones should not be a first-round draft pick when I saw him pop up on mock drafts in the first round. I think that his selection, and this is a lofty statement, and you know, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong because you certainly you know, follow the Patriots much more than I do. I think I follow them pretty closely. But I actually think that selecting Mac Jones in the first round turned out to be Belichick's biggest mistake, uh, personnel-wise, when he's with the Patriots. Uh, you know, and I understand that's quite a lofty statement. But you know, basically, you know, if they'd taken a different quarterback or you know, gotten somebody you know in free agency or done something different other than Mac Jones, I don't know if Belichick would be unemployed right now. 
Uh, many college quarterbacks basically have excelled at, would have excelled, I should say, at Alabama with the NFL talent that he had. He had running backs. He had an offensive line. He had four wide receivers that have since played or are playing in the NFL. He had all of that. He wasn't that good in college. And there would have been you know, 20 other quarterbacks in college football that would have had the similar results. Why anybody thought he was a first-round pick is just a mind-boggling experience to me. I don't know how anybody could have ever thought that. He's not a starting NFL quarterback, I don't think, for anybody in the NFL. And I just don't understand it. And, and you know, he just he hasn't improved. I mean, he hasn't really been any good, quite frankly, since December of his rookie season, when you know, I went through all the numbers for the hundred times when we did our Patriots previews the last three years, he wasn't any good his last year of his rookie season, and especially really bad the last two years. Anybody, and I mean anybody, including Drake May, who I'm not a big fan of, is would almost guaranteed to be better than Mac Jones. You know, you mentioned that uh, selecting math, Mac Jones may have been the start of the downfall for Bill Belichick with his time in New England. I'm curious. No, on I a- didn't say that. I didn't say that. I said that was like that was kind of the final straw, quite frankly, because you know that was the crushing blow that got him out. They made you know I didn't say it was his worst mistake. Uh, you know, the, the, well, I forgot how you phrased it, but I didn't say. I think it was his worst mistake because it was the one that you know, just basically if they'd done something different at quarterback, he'd still be coaching the Patriots. Right. And I'm just curious if a couple of things took place here. You know, one, obviously his connection with Nick Saban and talking about Mac Jones and his development and his his ability to quarterback. But then also this kind of philosophy that Bill has had that he can get by with, uh, you know, serviceable at quarterback as long as everything else in his defense is really good the unfortunate thing though is that philosophy wasn't going to work out because you weren't you didn't have the defensive pieces in place and you also were sorely missing the offensive line and you were missing some playmakers to kind of help help the quarterback he's not any good i mean he has a rag arm which he had at alabama I just don't understand this. Still, here we are three years later, and there's still, apparently, other people in the Jones family that thinks he's an NFL starting quarterback. He's not as anywhere. As a reminder, the quarterbacks that were selected ahead of Mac Jones were Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, as well as Justin Fields, and Mac Jones went 15th overall there to the Cardinals in the, or I'm sorry, in the Patriots in the 2021 NFL Draft. As it is for the masses, they're on the yes side of things at 87.5%, no trailing at 12.5%. This is over on X at KDUS AM 1060. Wrapping things up on this Friday, February 23rd, next. Interact with Bob Kemp's poll question on KDUS1060.com. That's KDUS1060.com. And while you're there, check out Bob Kemp's bottom line at KDUS1060.com.
edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app. Bob, it is thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today around the NFL, mainly it was, well, not mainly, it was all completely a draft combine thing with quarterback talk from Eric Edholm from NFL Media. And if you listen on the podcast portion, hang in there. The end of it has some Michael Penick stuff that I think is really pertinent. Uh, so uh, hang in there. We don't get the Penix until the very end. Uh, but uh, you know, he had some really good stuff about Penix and his injury history at Indiana. Sound of the day, courtesy of CBS, ESPN, ACC Digital Network, TNT, FS1. And also special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Up next from 1 to 3, it is the Doug Gottlieb Show, followed by the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5. The Sports Dude with Dave Rooster Beerstein from 5 to 6. And then we have uh, ASU Baseball taking on Ohio State. Pre-game at 6.15. <laughs> Pre-game at 6.15. Buckeyes won last, the Buckeyes won last night. They did. Uh, pre-game, yeah. 6.15, and first pitch at 6.30. That can be heard over on KAZG 1440 as well as KDOS1060.com slash Sun Devils. ASU women's basketball is taken on Cal. That's a pre-game at 7.30, tip at 8, right here on KDOS AM 1060. Jeff Munn will have the call. Tim Healy on the call for baseball. So that's what's happening uh, here on the pro on the station when it comes to some news that caught my attention it looks like nbc has moved on from jack collinsworth in terms of his play-by-play duties as the voice of notre dame football according to andrew marchand of the athletic his reporting nba nbc execs really liked noah eagle and todd blackledge and their work on the big 10 as well as their nfl calls this season yeah. so they'll still be doing the big 10 primetime games but if notre dame game they determine is a bigger draw they're moving them to the notre dame games jason garrett will still be the analyst in the play-by-play role it's going to be dan hicks jack collinsworth will still call games on peacock as well as be part of football night in america for nfl coverage dan hicks who i don't know if he got his start in tucson but he used to be uh one of the sports anchors in tucson at a local tv station there and dan i think used to do uh, Notre Dame games. Yeah, and he's married to Hannah Storm, right? That's correct, and he does golf. Yeah. Okay. Well, there we go. He's done quite well, quite well for himself in many areas. <laughs> there we go. Uh, also, if you were someone that loved the EA Sports College football game, apparently it's coming back. Players that want to opt into the NIL deal will get $600. They currently have about 11,000 players that have opted into that, so that is expected wow. to come back after an 11-year hiatus. I never got into that. Did you get into that stuff? I played Madden as a kid, but I wasn't very okay. good. Like I was, I was never, pretty bad. I never got into Shockingly, I never did any of that. I would be really bad at that, I'm sure. So that's probably why I didn't get involved. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it for this edition of Extra Point. Have a great weekend, everyone. Back with you on Monday.